Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Jeff Burks, 12 years of career experience, a major on Ladder 7 for Oklahoma City Fire Rescue. Jeff has learned things from both good and bad officers while climbing through the ranks of OKC. As a major, he now surrounds himself with like-minded, positive, forward-thinking, and aggressive firefighters whom all just want to be great at the job they love for the citizens and communities they took an oath to protect. With that, I present Mr. Jeff Burks. All right, man. I'm uh, Major Jeff Burks from Oklahoma City. Worked for the Oklahoma City Fire Department for the past 12 years. Uh, I got into the job um, probably the earliest that I remember is seeing, you know, backdraft as a as a young kid and thinking it was, you know, Stephen McCaffrey was all that. It's kind of funny. You watch it now and you're like, man, Brian was a terrible new guy. Like I would have. <laughs> Would have rode him like a show pony. He's, <laughs> our he's he's freaking awful. Uh, but yeah, seeing that movie got me into uh, just kind of that bug of wanting to do it. Where brother and cousins are wanting to play cops and robbers or whatever, and I'm like, I got a jacket that looked like a three quarter length turnout coat. <laughs> like that's what the winter jacket that I picked out, and I'm wearing that thing in the summer. Uh, wanting to play fire department stuff, so it was kind of always there. Um, I went. Uh, kind of by the wayside, like, uh, my high school years rebellious, got into like punk rock and stuff and probably should have joined the military or something out of high school. Cause I didn't even really know what I wanted to do. And under the parents, you know, influence ended up going to college and kind of meandering my way through college and getting a, what I call a BS and BS, which is a general studies degree. It's a bachelor's, but I didn't really, uh, didn't really, I had like seven majors. I kind of bounced around all over the place. So I, I really didn't know what the heck I was going to do with my life. And, and was, you know, during college actually seeing like, uh, that was about the time that rescue me was big into, uh, okay. production on FX and freaking love that show. It always watched that with the roommates and, uh, me and one roommate were always like, man, we need to, we need to join the fire department. This is great. I'm like, so and I'm like, I'm like seriously considering it anyway, he ended up doing all stuff and I did it. And then another roommate who never watched the show ended up joining the fire department a few okay. years after I got on ironically. Um, but, uh, I had, uh, kind of decided, you know, I think I want to do this. Um, I was actually in, uh, a long distance relationship with somebody that rekindled like from, um, back and it started like freshman year and uh, had moved out of state, moved like to Ohio for this whole relationship thing and told her about it. Like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And uh, she's like, Oh, no way. There's no way you're going to do that. Like that's too dangerous. And every firefighter I know, um, you know, cheats on their wife or cheats on their wife or is unfaithful and stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, that doesn't mean that I'm going to do it. It doesn't mean that, you know, that's, you know, a small sample, I'm sure of millions of firefighters out there who don't do things like that. So I thought it was a, poor representation of it. Anyway, that relationship didn't work out. <laughs> it kind of had a, uh, kind of had a poor ending. Um, and that really is what galvan galvanized me is like, you know what, I, this is what I want to do. And nobody's going to freaking tell me I'm not going to do it. So I, uh, I was driven to pursue the uh, profession after that. 
um, started applying. It was kind of a bad time to start applying because there was a couple of year hiring freeze there where Oklahoma City wasn't uh, hiring. And I was trying to get on there, but also other uh, smaller departments like in the area. And uh, it, it just took, you know, two, three years really to get hired into the process and and finally came on in 2011. And it's I didn't, you know, getting into it, I had no idea that I was going to love it or care about it as much as I do. I was hoping to just kind of like get by and not be a, not be the weak link that they tell you to, you know, keep your head down in rookie school. Don't be, you know, don't be too loud and draw too much attention to yourself, but you know, you want to be in the middle of the pack and that way you fly under the radar. And I don't know whose advice, whose advice that is. And like retrospect, that would probably be uh, the kind of advice that would, that would advocate, you know, mediocrity. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, pass that advice forward to someone else. So I was happy to to make it through there and actually kind of, um, you know, be, be decent, you know, out of the, okay. out of the guys that I was on there. But it, it just as I went through my career, the passion for the job uh, continued to grow. I started to realize, you know, man, there's like my life, my crew's life, my, you know, you know, the civilians lives. Um, and, and, and then getting married and having a family, like those people are dependent on me. Like it is very important that I know what I'm doing and be the best that I can be at this so that I can come home to them in the morning after the shift. And, um, and I can hold my head high and know that I did what I was supposed to do. So anyway, that's kind of how, how I got into it. Okay. All right. For those that don't know, including myself, uh, can you tell us about OKC? How many stations, personnel, call volume, things of that nature? Certainly. Uh, so Oklahoma City Fire Department is uh, a little over a thousand members. Uh, so a pretty good sized department. Uh, we service 621 square miles. Uh, Oklahoma City is 621 square miles. It is the that makes it the number eighth uh largest city by land area in the united states uh with the first four being in alaska so it's actually like number four in the continental u.s okay. so we cover a a large ground area about six hundred ninety thousand is the most recent population numbers i've seen so right there under seven hundred thousand. but it's you know metro area swells during the day uh as people come in from surrounding communities for work so it should be well over a million during the day when people are uh into town. Uh, we've got 38 fire stations with uh, each one's got an engine. So 39 engines, pretty much all of those are going to be ALS with a four person minimum staffing. Uh, there, there are a couple, uh, you know, three person ones that are BLS engines that are coupled with a ALS brush pumper. That'll be a two person brusher. Uh, we got 13 ladder trucks. Oh, I'd have to say we there's some that are the platform area platform, same one that you got, the Pierce Ascendant, um, and we got some straight sticks as well. Uh, but we're going to go all of those platforms eventually. The new builds for all of those are going to platforms. Um, it, city broke up into six battalions. So each one of those uh, battalions has a chief that's responsible for them. Uh, we got one heavy rescue. We've got three uh, basically dive swift water water rescue rigs that are strategically placed close to like the uh, lakes that are in the city. Uh, I think we come 18 brush pumpers, what I came up with, six heavy tankers or water tenders. Um, uh, we got one air van and one hazmat unit. Uh, and then we are just now starting to get into 
uh, an ambulance. They, they'll work for the fire department, um, but they're a non, uh, they're like a, a support division. They're not in a suppression division. So they're not, they're not firefighters They're hired civilians that work on the ambulance uh, and will transport. And it's kind of to supplement the ambulance service that's running in the city um, just because there had been some some trouble, especially during COVID with uh, volume of calls increasing and number of personnel not wanting to be, you know, exposed to stuff like that and and ending up with some extended wait times and trying to solve like, hey, what can we do to better service the community? So the fire department has taken on that that task of adding some ambulances and transport, but they are stationed at uh, some of our fire stations um, and they might have... I don't think they've started rolling. They've been training the supervisors and they're in the process of hiring the, uh, the medics that are going to ride those rigs. So okay. Okay. that's okay. See in a nutshell. Okay. And, 20th largest, uh, 20th largest, uh, city by population in the U S so pretty good size. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. But, uh, by what, you know, how you broke it down for sure. Um, which we kind of hit on just before we started. Can you, the, can you talk about your rank structure? Oh yeah. Uh, so our rank structure is, uh, kind of goofy. It's, uh, it, it's really, there's called career development ranks that are tied to, to certain ranks. So you would start out as a recruit in rookie school. Once you get your year on, you become a firefighter. Uh, you're a firefighter for two years and you'll have to complete the apparatus operators Academy where you'll become a relief driver. And, uh, at that point of completion, you can become a corporal, which is kind of a screwy, just senior firefighter rank that can relief drive. Uh, the next position is a testable position. Um, you have to pass a hundred question test, uh, or not, not even pass. You have to be scoring the top 25 on that hundred question test to become a sergeant, which is our driver apparatus, uh, operator position. So that's a permanent driver. And in the case that the rideout officer for that rig is off that sergeant, will uh, step over to the right seat and they'll be the officer on that rig. So you always have to know the role of the uh, firefighter above you. Uh, so that is Sergeant. Uh, they have to go to a two week Academy after that, where you learn, you know, administrative type of stuff, as well as uh, tactics, fire studio type of things, a lot of, a lot of good training that goes on in those academies. Um, after a year at Sergeant, you automatically get the career development rank of Lieutenant uh, so a lieutenant is still a driver operator. You have the same uh, same function as you do as a sergeant. It's just it's just a promotion in in uh, for time and grade in that position. Uh, you have to be a lieutenant for two years before you can test for captain. They take the top fifteen in the test for the captain's list, and now captain is your ride out officer for whichever rig they're on. Um, and also requires another two week academy. Uh, then after two years of captain, you can become a major. Um, so major is kind of like your senior, um, officers, uh, a lot of them you'll have, uh, so I'm a junior officer at my station because we're a two company house and the, the house that I'm at is a chief station is one of those battalion, uh, chief stations. So the station officer at that has to act as the relief, uh, chief officer whenever the chief is off and you've got to have a minimum of 13 years and two years as a uh major in order to be a ride out for a chief um so i'm just i'll be eligible in may to do that but um anyway being a company officer is like that's where it's at that's the jam okay. uh if it, it, it's just kind of the 
that role is is pretty awesome. It's it's uh, you have the most influence over people and the and the pace of the day and what what the culture is at the fire station. Um, and a lot of people say driver's the best job, but <laughs> but man, I hated. I hated pumping fires and oh, having FOMO, man, FOMO in the front yard and not being in, inside. <laughs> like, man, I'm way too clean out here. This sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm and I'm hesitant to ever become a chief because I just like I just like going in there and doing work and you know I like searching rooms and breaking windows and forcing doors and pulling ceiling and cutting holes and I probably need to do less of it and more. Uh, and more observing, you know, letting firefighters do it and uh, observing them and making sure that I'm uh, tactically aware of what's going on instead of of uh, getting sucked into any task level stuff. But um, that's that's something I, that I work on. <laughs> I try to okay. do both. I just okay. love doing that stuff, man. Um, so. One question I have from an outsider not affiliated with OKC looking in. One thing that hit me that I I kind of like, and you can tell me if if, if it's different in your uh, for your viewpoint, but I like how with every rank structure, every rank structure that you complete, they put you in some sort of development program to get acclimated to that position. I feel like me personally, opinion based, that that's where some departments are lacking. Like we're quick mm -hmm. to go, okay, test for this position. All right, you got it here you go. And then we leave you alone where OKC kind of, uh, drives the, like to learn the role, because like you said, mm -hmm. when you went from, uh, one, one of the positions, when you become, I think you said, a sergeant, you have to learn the role, like paperwork policies, like you learn mm -hmm. what the, the captain has to do. So I, 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 I really like that. Yes. And I kind of, I kind of glossed over it. It was really even more than that. Like the AOA, the apparatus operators academy before you become a relief driver there's an entire book of things that you have to do and skills that you have to be able to complete before you can even you got to turn it in have it signed off before you even go to aoa for to test for sergeant you also have an entire sergeant's manual that's preparation stuff like um as far as pre-incident surveys building walkthroughs um how to flow hydrants like uh fire studio things that you're going through there's actually stuff in there where you are the officer on the rig and you are given an address and you've got a map, um, whoever's driving you into that address, you got to find your hydrant, you roll up on scene, they give you whatever structure you roll up on and a scenario. And you do, you know, you do your on scene report and you start making a incident action plan based on the information that you have. So all of that is preparatory just to go test for sergeant you have to do all that stuff so then you go do it you got the two weeks of academy where you're learning all those things you'll get um like a pre another prerequisite for uh uh driver is the instructor one it, getting the fire instructor one certification we're making everybody get that now um which is nice so now everybody's an instructor and is able to teach things uh once you get to Sergeant's Academy, that's going to be company officer one. You're going to end up getting the company officer one certification and captain's academy. You'll get company officer two. Uh, and, and I didn't mention that those career development ranks to lieutenant and to major are also associated with academies, two week academies that you go to uh, that are still full of more fire studio, more scenario based stuff where a captain. Now you're becoming 
a division supervisor um, or you're in charge of multiple companies on, you know, the Charlie side or Bravo uh, or, or, or whatever, and you're requesting resources from command and you're, you're running the fire scene from wherever you're at. Um, Lieutenant Academy is the same way. We ended up getting uh, certifications for investigate. Well, not a certification for investigation, but doing a bunch of fire investigation stuff in Captain's Academy and also uh, inspector. I got an inspector certification in Lieutenant's Academy, which is dry, man. <laughs> I don't recommend it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think they quit doing it because it was so dry, but it's it was good information going into it. Okay. So there's um, a, it, it's, it's definitely... They, they do their best to prepare you for the role, but no, definitely sounds like it. hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Um, do you guys utilize blue card for your command structure? Uh, we do not. We've okay. had, uh, uh, what's it? Chief Castro's come and do, uh, classes with our current battalion chiefs. And so we kind of like, it's definitely not blue card. Nobody does anything from inside the buggy. Um, everybody's out in the, in the front yard doing stuff, but there might be some like, uh, you know, I think we, it gave us a better understanding of util, utilization of groups and division supervisors and, um, maintaining your span of control as an incident commander. Um, and some of the, some of the verbiage in there, like the, uh, uh, victim profiles, low, low, mm -hmm. low victim mm -hmm. survivability or, or, uh, or sorry, the, uh, what do you call them? I don't like to say them is why <laughs> is why is why uh, I forget the verbiage on them. But you have uh, a low victim pro profile, a moderate or or, or high okay. rescue profile on this thing, or a confirmed victim entrapment. So you're either getting confirmed information coming through there. So I don't I don't. This is another personal thing that gets in there with 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 dispatch stuff and with um, with command. Uh, just the reporting, like the everybody's out of the structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a negative because it, it automatically, if you hear that and you're en route, you're thinking, ah, well, they're like, we're just going to put the fire out. There's nothing at stake. Well, we need the mindset that we're always expecting fire. We're always expecting victims uh, no matter what, because that information, firefighter rescue survey has shown us the information that the, that is not always accurate. Um, there are, we're going to take the words of people who are in there who are in a uh, high stress situation with an elevated heart rate who aren't thinking clearly their house is on fire. They're barely made it out there. They're, they can still smell their burning hair on the back of their neck and they're going to be a credible, um, you know, reporter of who is and who, right. who isn't in there. You don't even necessarily, they don't necessarily know, you know, some people who have older kids who come back over um, their stories of, of, uh, you know, re uh, uh, victims dying in fires that uh, there was one in, I don't think of where I know where you're going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, you know, the nurse dropped her kids off at her parents' house, which she would do a lot of times. The parents get out, there's a fire. They said, nobody's in there. Don't worry about it. Right. They didn't know they were asleep when she dropped the kids off, end up finding two twin boys uh, dead in the basement. Um, you know, we won't take, uh, someone's word for it on what the blood pressure was or what their blood sugar said on their glucometer, but like, well, we'll go out and take our own set of vitals. But if any random neighbors like, Oh, nobody's home. Like we're going to take their word for it. Or we're going to call it a low victim profile. Like that's BS, man. We need to, we need to get in there as soon as we are uh, able to get inside of that structure and occupy that space. Then we need to be inside of that structure, occupying that space and searching 
for victims. Because okay. um, that's that's we're just we're just too behind the eight ball going into it. Um, so so by saying something is a low victim profile, now I've changed the mindset of the people who are who are in route. So that's fine. Use that information and keep as an incident commander and keep that information to yourself. If it's a low victim profile or a moderate victim profile, even if it's a high victim profile, like, and we don't have confirmed entrapment because it's two o'clock in the morning, there's cars in the driveway, there's little tight stuff all over the front lawn. Then yeah, that's fine. If you want to say that, if you're erring on the side of we're going to be aggressive, we're going to get inside, we're going to occupy uh, space and we're going to search, we're going to try to find everybody. Um, But like the negative reports, uh, uh, it drives me nuts whenever I hear that. Everybody's out. We just had a fire. Uh, we listen to the uh, you know scanner all the time, um, off duty when fires come in. Uh, and one the other day, they're like, "We got a report that everybody's out," and then they changed somebody's uh, um, assignment from search to something else. And then their information ended up changing like, hey, we're getting a report that there might actually be somebody in there. We're going to need to reassign you from this and then assign you back to search. So like just stay ahead of the of the needs of of the community and go ahead and and assign it as soon as you can. In my opinion, Um, it's just like I said, we're already behind the eight ball on this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's if it takes, you know, from initial incipient stage of the fire, the fire, you know, finding its ignition source and starting. How long is it going to take before it's noticed and before it's reported? So we're minutes into it before it gets reporting. And we're looking at only, you know, four minutes to flash over in a room and contents fire. And, you know, if it's a big living room, kitchen, something like that, it could be 15 minutes before it's going to reach that. But regardless, how long before it's reported? So now we now we're a couple minutes into the thing before it's been reported. Then you got a minute for the dispatchers to dispatch companies. So now we've added another minute into it. So we're at five minutes and then we have 60 seconds to be in route. So there's another minute we're at six and then you have a standard of, Oh, you got to get there in four minutes. So now we're at 10 minutes. Right. And so we're arriving on scene in 10 minutes post flashover, right as this thing is getting into flashover and the, the even before flashover, Everything, everything is vent limited in the structures that we're going to now because everything is cheap Chinese shit and imported electronics. It's loaded with plastics, hydrocarbons. Everything's got a high surface to mass ratio. We're fucking filling these places with tons of smoke that is that's killing us before you know you can take two steps out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what? So what are the odds that somebody is in respiratory arrest or full arrest? within the 10 minutes it took from the incipient stage of the fire for us to get there, uh, you know, four minutes of downtime of somebody that's in full rest and you're talking about irreversible brain damage now. So I say that's such a fire attack oriented mindset of get in there and get water in the fire. Let's put this thing out and then we'll go ahead and search it. No, we need to be searching it. And that initial hand line is there to, to, put in between civilians and the firefighters that are going to make the rescue. Like it's, it's basically to confine the fire from the people that are trapped inside of that structure, uh, put water on that thing and, and isolate that. And if it coincides that you're able to extinguish it at the same time, then great. Let's do that. I'm not saying not to extinguish fire that you can put out when you know exactly where the seat of the fire is, but the prioritization prioritization needs to be on searching all those spaces and getting people out. Um, I lost my train of thought. 
<laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. No, yeah, you know, you were good. I was, I was letting you roll with it. I was letting you roll with it. A couple questions. Uh, a couple questions with your department. Um, what do you get? What does OKC drop on a structural box? On, a, on like a, a house fire, you're going to get five rigs. So, so you'll get three engines and a truck, and then the fifth rig will either be uh, an engine and truck, or it might be the heavy rescue or the hazmat, just depending on what it is. That basically, that fifth rig is assigned there to act as a, a RIT team. So that kind of gives you your your fire attack, your ventilation, your search. Uh, one additional company for to assist with fire attack or uh, or whatever exposure evacuation, and then the fifth company is for a writ. So, and then on a, you also get two battalion chiefs on that, um, and then you'll get uh, a CSL, a community service liaison that'll show up there. It's a pretty cool deal, and they'll help out like the victims, like uh, work with their insurance company, find them housing, use uh, you know the resources that we have with uh, Red Cross or um services available to to get them what they need to get them yeah. back on their feet and get them at least a place to stay for the night and you know things like that uh on a commercial alarm you're going to get basically that that same five you're going to get two ladders instead and you're going to get the heavy rescue uh you're automatically going to get the air van on that air one is just a mobile uh scba cascade system so you can refill bottles on scene and get everybody resupplied okay. um yeah, that's kind of what we drop on it. And then additional alarms add add okay. to that. So we're pretty manpower saturated, uh, which is nice. Like I said, four man uh on all the on most of the engines, and then uh, it's three man minimum staffing on the ladders. Okay. Um, and are your ladders true ladders? Like do they are do they perform true truck work or can they yeah, yeah, they're true, they're true trucks. Um even even the trenchants that we had, the quince, the quince that we had, uh -huh. um, they're out of so they're, they're we have two quince that are like loaner rigs that are trade out rigs, but they don't the pumps are not operational on them, so they'll just function function as ladders, just with you know seventy five foot sticks, uh, and 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 then all it'll have all the uh, equipment for ladder stuff. There's no hose or anything on it, so they do function as a as a true truck company. Okay. Um do your ladders, since you have more engines, since your ratio of more engines to ladders, with you being on a ladder truck, does the ladders, do they run medical calls? or Because, you know, some departments, the ladders strictly are available for for fire and wrecks only. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we will. Every every uh, ladder truck is at a, like I said, every station has an engine. So some station, those 13 stations have trucks. They're, they're multi-company houses. They'll have an engine and a truck and they might have a chief uh, there, which is our case. Um, so they might have an additional apparatus there, but yeah, the engine is going to catch the medical call first in that district. If one drops in that district, and then they're going to catch the ladder for like the next medical call. And it'll, it'll, they'll kind of decide it by nature. Like if it's a, if it's a, you know, uh, Delta level call is what they would call a more serious call or echo level call would be like a full arrest. Whereas a Delta is like uh, we have chest pain or you have a stroke or something like that. They're probably going to start an ALS engine from the neighboring district to get that way. And they will send, they might send a truck on it too, just to get them started. But they'll also start an ALS just to try to get IMSA on it. Uh, that IMSA is the ambulance service. Yeah. We went on what they dropped us on one the other night that turned out to be a full arrest we started on it. We were heading the opposite direction of our engine. Our engine had just cleared off a ride. They sent us on it. They're like, we're going to go ahead and send your engine on this engine seven. 
I'm like, okay, we're just going to go in since it's a full arrest. We can do, we can still do CPR. We're not going to wait and let, mm -hmm. you know, make them lose, make them lose time on CPR just because we're a BLS rig. Like we can still, we can still go do, make a difference on some stuff. I can't, I can't maybe not tell you if you're having a heart attack because I can't look at your, your rhythm, but, uh, you know, we can pop on a chest for sure. Give you some albuterol or, um, whatever else. Okay. Narcan. <laughs> uh, do two piece houses, do they rotate calls or is it call dependent on like the nature of the call? It'd be nature of the call dependent. Gotcha. So, so, and, and then stuff's dictated kind of by dispatch. Like, um, you know, we have a standard response based on like, a, if it's a car accident, you're going to get an engine and a ladder. If it's a, a automatic alarm, we've just started sending engines on automatic alarms because the vast 99.9% .9 of them are, are false alarms. Um, not to say that you should be complacent and not put your stuff on because 99% of the time it's nothing. That's another big, thing. <laughs> like we are not mm -hmm. complacent at all. You need to have all your gear on your mask ready to go uh, and, and ready to rock as if it's a fire alarm, because it has happened that you go on a smoke investigation, you're going on auto automatic alarm that I've seen. And it's a freaking working house fire, working structure fire. Okay. Uh, so don't be complacent. Anyway, they'll send two, two on, um, uh, uh the 82s automatic high rise alarm will get two engines, a ladder and a chief. Um, so, it, it, and then a medical call is going to get, it'll always get the engine, no matter what it is. They'll even a lot of times like personal assists, they'll catch the engine before the ladder. They'll keep the ladders pretty much available for, for fires or for any type of rescue. Okay. Um, we get like elevator rescues and things like that. Okay. So I pretty much go on, on fires and car wrecks and rescues. It's pretty okay. fun. <laughs> uh, no, sounds like a good gig. Um, good. With uh, you mentioned one thing. So you mentioned that your ladder sounds like your ladder is a BLS ladder. It is, yeah. Um, for OKC, is it required? Do you have to be a paramedic to promote to any position, or no? Uh, no, you don't have no. to be a paramedic to promote to anything. Okay, everybody is an EMT basic at at a minimum. Uh, they will ensure you don't have to be an EMT to get hired. Um, and they'll put you through EMT school, which is another good deal. If you want to get hired, you have a better chance of doing so. If you're an EMT going into it, and if you're a paramedic going into it, you have a really good chance. Uh, but no, there's no really outside of like any um, EMS chief or something like might be okay. a prerequisite to be a paramedic, but that's about it. Uh, okay. So we end up with paramedics, you know, kind of wherever. Um, okay. And the department's pretty good about, about, we need medics. They're going to, they're going to do what they can to, to pay people to road, uh, for them to go to medical school, um, okay. on duty they have to, or, uh, run, uh, you know, their, their calls or their ride alongs that they're having to do for credentials and all that. Okay. All right. Like I said, I just wanted to get some questions out on the department. So that's awesome. Um, sure. next question for you, what does the term aggressive mean to you in your opinion? So it's, it's funny, man. Aggressive gets thrown around. That's how you get people to go to your class, right? You put aggressive, <laughs> aggressive in the title of the class and they're like, hell yeah, man, let's go to that one. That's going to be a good one. But I think aggressive really should be just the standard of care. Like that's, that's what is expected of us. Um, if you haven't read, uh, uh, it's Jeff Rothmeyer's new book, The Mastering the Craft, man, he talks about, um, his military uh, experience and, and initiative and taking the initiative. Uh, and that's, that's really 
what we need to do. When you think about the fire ground, like hesitation is only going to make things worse. The longer we hesitate to do anything, to put bodies in there to search, means people are, the clock's running against them already. We talked about that. The people are dying. It's delaying the rescue. It's delaying us pumping on their chest if they're already in full arrest. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's giving them permanent brain damage if we can't get them out. It, the fire is continuing to grow in size. It's continuing to cr create more toxic byproducts. It's continuing to impinge on the structure and make the structure less stable and more likely to collapse. Hesitation is is really what kills us. Aggression, what they what they say is aggression should just be should just be the uh, you know violent act of of initiative of going forth and doing our jobs that you're taking in the scene, what's going on, where the fire's at, what's my best, what you're in. And, and this is like, you know, thin slicing as Malcolm Gladwell would call it. Like you're, you're instinctively knowing what to do from repetition, from seeing the fires that you've seen on or, or uh, things that you have talked about is another big thing um, that, that we are huge on at, at station seven uh, is, is mental rehearsal things that kitchen table that heart of firehouse is where all these discussions go down and there's not a meal that goes by that we don't talk about something fire related. We got a smart board right up there. That's got Google on it that, or, or YouTube on it that we can pull up this video. We'll start talking about this fire. We'll talk about, Hey, we should do this. Uh, where would you go this way for fire attack? Where, where's the searchable space inside of this structure? What would you do? What's a ventilation like this? Where do you need to cut a hole? What's the wind direction doing? What's the construction features look like? What are we worried about here? What like, so, we go through all of this stuff and discuss these things uh, beforehand so that, you know, if, if the situation does arise, we've, at least it's not the first time you've thought about it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's all, it's all a mental dress rehearsal before getting, getting to the fire scene. Uh, and, and those questions and those things like that bring up like, Oh dude, I don't know what we do. We should trade on that. We should, we'll go do that. Let's, you know, let's put that line down. Let's set this, let's set this situation up or how do we get a victim out of this type of situation or we're, how are we going to stretch through this or what do we do if, you know, we're presented with a roof like this or, you know, we'll go stick the platform where, wherever we think we got difficult. If we're just driving around like, dang, how are we going to, how are we going to get the bucket up there? Like, we'll stop and do it. Um, say we're there for 24 hours and that's, that's, that's number two priority right there, man. It's preparation for incident response. Number one is going on the rides is, is the incident response and, and preparation for incident response is, is all of that physical training, all of that mental training, all of that, uh, that, uh, pre-incident planning and physical fitness doing any of that stuff is more important than washing rigs or cleaning toilets or sweeping floors. And that's what, that's why I like being an officer. Cause that's, <laughs> I can, I can, right you know, drill that stuff into our guys. And I'm right. like, you know, let's make sure the rig squared away. Don't worry about cleaning. I don't, I like, I don't, I don't care if my toilet seat's clean, you know, like I care that your pack works. Cause that's what really matters. That's going to cost them in their life. Like it's not going to cost me anything to have to wipe a, a dribble off of a toilet seat. You know what I mean? Right. So right. It's all about getting the priorities right. Okay. Um, with you, with you now being an officer, and I'm sure you you have been for a while now, my question to you is, the way you operate now, the way you have your guys dialed in, was that something 
that you've always had or did you look because you know we all learn from good officers and bad officers so was that something that you saw okay I don't want to I unfortunately I don't want to be like this person but I want to be how this captain is to 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 bring that to your crew that you have now mm -hmm. yeah there's a yeah dude that's a big that's a big part of it is and you have to realize that as an officer too, like the influence that you're going to have on younger guys or guys that are coming up um, because you, because they are going to learn from you regardless of whether you're doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing. And I'm probably doing some of the both. I'm probably doing some things right. And I'm probably doing some things wrong. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, I had some officers that were, you know, early on in my career that freaking everybody loved them, but we weren't training and we weren't serious and we weren't like, and that's why I kind of like, I had to have the the self initiative to start studying the job and start really getting into the job. Um, and, and they were good guys, but they weren't, it's not like the level of, of preparation and involvement that's going in now. And then I've, I, you know, had some, I'm kind of a combination, like, like basically of two, <laughs> of two guys that I drove uh, that are both very jam up good officers who love the job, who know their stuff and were always mentally prepared. And, and one was like his, actually his favorite quote, I'll tell you his quote was uh, this young bull and this old bull were standing in the field and the young bull went up and said, Hey, let's, uh, let's run over to this other field and fuck us a heifer. And the old bull said, let's walk over there and we'll fuck them all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it, like that was his like kind of mentality of it like hey hey dude pump the brakes pump the brakes so he was always having to be like tell me as a, as a driver to like hey we don't need it just calm down like that's too that's a little too much on training or like he would say stuff like that uh another one was um like he was that he's a lot like me with uh like uh, totally involved with everything hands-on during training um and but um would look at everything like hey do we get this done do we get this done do we do this do we do this? and would like kind of you know ask a bunch of questions and and was really big on communication uh as far as making sure that that things were done correctly and that we were getting everything covered and i kind of far, probably find that you fall somewhere in the middle and you trust your people to do it and it if it's not getting done then it needs to be addressed so uh yeah, those those officers from the past definitely have an influence uh, on you on the future, whether that's they're doing the right things and they're doing the wrong things. But that's, you know, stuff like this, stuff like you're doing, like these podcasts, man, uh, you know, kudos to you. You've been like churning through these things like crazy. And you've had, <laughs> I was like, who's it? And, and you've had, and this is not just like, like average Joe's on here, like some schmucks that nobody's heard of like me. You got Rick George. Uh, Scott Hewlett, Clyde Gordon, Nick Papa, Dan Shaw, Dennis Riley, Devin Craig, Shannon Stone, Dale Jenkins, David Rhodes, Jared Sergi, LJ Geis, and Dean Utley. Like, you got like some big time names that are up doing this thing. And, but listening to stuff like this or going to conferences and training, uh, and hearing people like this talk and bring outside ideas and new ideas about whether it's tactics or leadership or mental health or search or, or, um, you know, how to handle RID or survival or mayday situations. Uh, I think I said mental health. Anyway, whatever it is, regardless, like, like 
there's so much to learn from people outside of your department too. Mm-hmm. And, and this fire service has become so small and so, you know, easy to get in contact with somebody and, and to learn things that, that can make you better. You can't, you know, you can't look at it as uh, it, I think a lot of people don't want to learn outside things or they don't want to grow or they don't challenge themselves because like, they they think they're right. They've been doing this way and they don't want to be, they don't want to challenge that to prove themselves wrong. But if I'm doing it right and I keep searching for new ways or keeps keep searching for things that are better and I can't find anything, then great. I was doing it right the whole time. Here's the best way to do it. But if not, then what I do, I found a better way of doing something that's going to be, uh, that's going to be more efficient. That means there's a better chance of me saving someone's life uh, or it means it's going to be better for my crew. What, what have you, you can't just, you know, look at yourself and think you got it all figured out. Like we right. never got it all figured out. Right. We're that's the student of the game, man. Once you think you've got it all figured out, you might as well quit. I say you can never know uh, enough about a job that can kill you. And you're never going to, you're never going to stop learning in this thing. The, the, it's the, you know, the double ignorance, uh, ignorance of your own ignorance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if or that, what do they call that? Uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> you think you're an expert because you don't, you're unaware of how much you don't know about something. And the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. No, <laughs> so, no. I, I, I mean, I, so I, I'm like, I don't know why you talk to me. I don't know anything. Like I keep, I, I delve into stuff and I'm like, there's like you just start going down rabbit holes of crap that you, did, that you didn't know, man. I, I mean, with whatever right right no no i mean it, you're right it, it's a i mean you know you, you don't know what you don't know it's always good to get out your comfort zone i've always said that it's great to go to outside training man learn a different perspective you'll learn so many different things like shit i never thought about this and then the person shows you and you're like man i like that i'm gonna take it and pass it on and not say i came up with it this is what i learned um so one uh one question i have for you you're, you're on a truck, but what's your, what's your passion? What's your niche? What do you like to teach? Mm, I, any of that truck stuff, but like just search is probably the biggest, the biggest thing. Um, we have such a strong search culture at sevens. Like uh, that's what I want to be assigned. Like I don't, I don't mind going up and cutting holes, but when we're going in on something, I want to get assigned search. And I'm thinking about that pre-arrival, like, uh, shoot, they haven't signed it. They've got somebody that's, you know, they're assisting fire attack now or nope. Now it's somebody pulling a freaking, uh, exposure line up. Nope. No, they assigned, they haven't assigned search yet. (laughs) Like we're, we're, uh, as a crew in the rig, like screaming at the radio. It's like, well, let's read, like, we're going to be searched, man. They haven't read uh, or, or if it's in there quick, like we're going to get it assigned uh, a search rapidly. Our, our chief prioritizes it, uh, you know, just as high as we do. So we're we're products of him. Uh, uh, and he's one of the most badass knowledgeable chiefs on the department. Was, you know, uh, he's forgotten more than I would know in my entire career. <laughs> but he's 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 great to have. Um, but yeah, the. It, teaching that and teach and, and it's really a mindset um we had a we had a shift kind of with training uh with some guys uh justin lorenzen's associated with firefighter rescue survey he's one of the mm-hmm. guys on that he's a uh, uh driver at my station 
uh, him and another guy, uh, Court Smith is a, is a major down there in training. Like they got into training and really kind of just, just overhauled the entire thing to change the priority to that expect victims mentality and really change like the things that we were doing uh, as far as search and our priorities and the way we're searching rooms and, you know, using ULFSRI research about isolation and ventilation and creating more tenable space, like to, and it's not just going in there and sweeping beds and sweeping and making sure that you check behind the door, make sure you get in the bathroom and sweep. Like you're in there. Like what's the smoke conditions in this room? Is it more beneficial to leave it the way it is and shut the door because it's pretty clean in here? Or is it really dirty in here? Do I need to take the, like that's foreign to a lot of people even still on, on my department to go into a room that's a dirty room and you go break a window. Like, what are you doing that for? You're just supposed to be searching that thing. Well, there's a reason we search that thing. Uh, and a reason we take that window because it's going to create lift. It's going to create visibility. It's going to create more t uh, tenable conditions. We have an isolatable door that we're going to make sure that we isolate that on the way back. It's going to, uh, if anybody is in there, it's going to make them easier to find. Cause now we can see and heaven forbid, forbid if we miss somebody like, at least they're in a better atmosphere and not sticking in there with benzene and acrolein and CO and H2S and whatever nasty crap is all in that aggregate of smoke. That's going to kill them. Like, um, so man, it just, it gets really heady. Uh, and I like to, I just like to delve into all of that and teach those things. Okay. And, and it's probably, you know, from being around JLo and court and guys like that. Uh, but, but they're coming out our recruits, we kind of had a big, big, uh, like overturn and like just the generations of the fire department were like under, or like 50% of our department is now under five years, maybe like it's pretty wow. big. Like, so like we're getting very, very bottom heavy, I guess. And in, in our numbers are, are have less experience. So on one hand, that's kind of like, Ooh, man, there's senior people are getting fewer and far between. You don't really have like a, that senior whip, that senior firefighter that knows stuff on the back. Like guys are getting younger guys are promoting uh, earlier. Um, so, but on the other hand, like those guys were a product of those training uh, academies that came through. And there's some other guys the name dropped like Wiley Gabehart, who's also at my station and Dane y'all uh, like just awesome guys that have been, been down there. Corey Summers, Chris George, um, that have that have taught this stuff. And now these guys are coming through with like so much more knowledge that it took me 10 years to know what they know getting out of rookie school about, about a lot of this uh things they know just coming out. But that's what it's all about. It's like we learn this stuff and you can't covet this information and keep this information for yourself. You got to mm -hmm. share this information with the next generation. We owe that to the next generation to do that and make them that much better. And they take all that information. They don't sit on their laurels to sit on they, their ass. They keep working at it. They keep studying they keep driving and they keep finding the next best thing to do. Is this the best? I don't know, man. Everything I tell you that is true that I know today uh, might be true today and it might not be true tomorrow. We might find something better tomorrow. And I'm comfortable knowing like, like if, if, if you find a better way tomorrow, I want to know about it because I want to do it. I want to implement it. Uh, but it's cool. It's cool to see that like this kind of generational shift and the shift in, in mindset and culture uh, where, where people are like, hell yeah, man, there, we really need to step up our game on prioritization of search and how important this is. And, and, you know, 
you're really digging into the numbers of how you're doing victim drags and removing people low in space below the one foot mark, you know, versus ab above three foot uh, stuff from the ULFSR, ULFSRI experiments. Um, like you can really get off into the weeds of it. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, I like, I like, I like talking about all that stuff. I like the answer. I like the answer. Yeah. Um, one thing that caught my, which uh, maybe just, I don't know. I've heard of Justin Lorenzo. Lorenzen. Lorenzen. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Correction. Also known as JLo, right? He's JLo. Yeah. Not to be confused with Jennifer Lopez, but yeah. Does, he's J -Lo. does he work for OKC? Yeah. He's at your station. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's famous, man. No, no, he's he's definitely doing good. He's he's up there in my uh my pool of what I call heavy hitters. So oh, that's yeah. awesome that you oh, dude. have that. Make him listen to this. And he's gonna like blush and shake his head like all through this entire <laughs> all too shut. <laughs> shut but yeah, okay. man. You know, I'm like, dude, that's cool. That's so cool. Like we got and it's really cool, you know, to have him like who knows people. Uh huh. Um, we got a hold of, you know, the Clackamas FD search manual just on like the PDF on yeah, 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 yeah. Available yeah. online. If you haven't looked at it, freaking look at it. It's awesome. I love that thing. I'm like, did we need a manual like this in our SOPs? And Jayla's like, you know, I think there's like that. McWilliams, Justin McWilliams is the one who did it. He's like, I think he's got an updated version of it that has more current numbers. And he just like texts Justin McWilliams and all of a sudden, bam, it's in our inbox now. Justin McWilliams has sent us all updated versions, versions of the uh, Clackamas search manual with the new numbers on us. Dude, this is so freaking badass. Like, why do we like we need to have this? We need to do something like this. And I, and I guess like JLo and Court, they've put together one for training, but it's not a part of our SOPs. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and then and then being in that company company officer role, you know, that maybe that needs to be my next goal is trying to get that implemented into something or being a, a policy in our in our um, fire operations SOP, like uh, as a the three hundred sections of it will be like manuals that support it, but that that go through a lot of that stuff, like you know, different VES techniques or or just window initiated search, searching beyond the door, things like that, um, techniques for for how to do it procedures um uh isolation and ventilation if you find the fire isolate the room in the fire if you find like all that stuff victim removals drags carries you know taking them out you might you know taking them if you went the way you went in might not be the most advantageous way to the take way them you out. Go out yeah absolutely no i i agree with that 100 um, percent. but dude the, yeah there's there's great stuff in there okay um a personal opinion question base question with you, with you surrounding yourself with individuals like that, and I'm going to say this from experience, and, and I know he probably hates the fact that I put him under the heavy hitter category, but most of, most, of, most of what I call the heavy hitter guys are so humble. They never jam things down your throat. They never think that they're better than you. But with you surrounding yourself with people like, like Justin, do you find sometimes that that target's now on your back? from the naysayers, from the haters, because every department's got them. And, I, and I'm just, I'm just speaking real. I'm speaking truthful. Every department's got those, those individuals that are like, Oh, whatever. Like they're not doing anything new. They're just reinventing the wheel or, you know, they don't know shit or nothing's wrong with what we're doing. And we've been doing it for forever. Like what would you say to, because that's one of the things I, when I'm talking to different people, I notice 
anytime you try to do something positive, bring change to the department, you shine a light on you that's always not so good. You know what I mean? It, it, and, mm-hmm. and it comes from the haters, the ones that are uncomfortable with change, the ones that have time on the job, but they unfortunately can't perform the skill set in front of others. The, you know, the, the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. So what would you yeah. say to that? Uh, it sounds like you've already talked to somebody in our department about this because we do definitely have that like target on our back kind of reputation. Like, um, and it's not like it's, the whole the whole crew's jam up from top to bottom. Like the chief is awesome. That that major from training is my station officer. Uh, my driver is one of the most uh, passionate guys about the job and into the job. Our senior engine driver knows so much. We have awesome conversations about like th- about pumping stuff because I'm old. I was an engine driver. I drove a, like the busiest engine in the city as when at the time when I was a driver. Uh, so we, we solve all the world's problems on water supply issues. Our firefighters from, you know, even, even our recruit all the way up to our senior whip. Our, oh, I, love, I love that guy, Dylan Murray. He's a Georgia smoke diver. He's a badass cook. He's a badass firefighter. Like he is, he is all in 100%. And all of the guys, uh, that we have at that station are, are stacked. I guess it's kind of like a, an, an advantage of being at a chief station, you get to pick who you work with and <laughs> like pick who you work with. It ends up being a bunch of guys who, and, and gals who are really into the job and who really care about it. And it, it drives some people nuts. They get detailed over there and they're like, man, are you, are you just didn't talk about fire stuff all day. Or like, you just watch fire. Like, so we, we probably rub people the wrong way or drive people nuts. Uh, we were big in, in getting, like booster backup as a, as an acceptable tac- tactic, uh, it, you know, d- implemented a school on it and videos and stuff like that and, and brought that to the department. And that's like, you know, there's going to be nice mm-hmm. booster, but well, that's just nurse feeding or that's uh, like, well, that we need to, what happens if you run out of water? We need like, you're missing the point. There's a whole bunch of information in this thing. Like the point is not running out of water catching a hydrant as the first in rig is not for them that's for us that's to save our asses and if we're just worried about our own asses like now our priorities aren't straight our our number one priority the number one reason that we function as a fire department is not to put out fire the number one reason we function as a fire department is to save people's lives especially from fire but in any other way that we can Life safety is the number one priority and putting people there on the scene to occupy the space and search it and pull them out and start pumping on their chest and put water on the fire is more important than leaving somebody at a, you know, 500 feet down the block at a hydrant and one guy in the yard in command and one guy pumping and the other one can't do shit because he can't go in by himself that, you know, can't really go in deep by himself to effectively advance a hand line or go search by like we're going to, we're going to do the best we can to put as many people as we can quickly. And, 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 you know, the, the people who, who are the naysayers on that. Yeah. They're probably comfortable in the way that they've been doing things. Like if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. And that's the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so there's two things firefighters change, uh, hate it's change in the way things are. Right. So, they they there's definitely you know a target on our backs for stuff like that we've had people like oh you don't want to go sevens man they train like all shift every shift and they get <laughs> it's like 
we we don't tra- like we talk about stuff every shift and we'll we'll train on like something every but it's not like you know not right. waking you up at two o'clock in the morning to go throw ladders because we got to throw ladders at two o'clock <laughs> right <laughs> right well like we're not we're not crazy we just are like just love the job and are into the job and are passionate about it i think that that's um you know if if people it, it drives me fucking nuts sorry but uh this job exists to them as something to earn an income uh, right they can that they can do their day off job it allows them to you know to do whatever if it's whether it's mowing lawns or showing houses or installing garage doors or 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 (laughs) whatever their freaking side gig is like that becomes their more important priority and this Uh is just they do that oh man it's got good benefits got a pension and dude everybody loves a firefighter like everybody loves you get a you know respect to the community all that and a fucking a t-shirt fireman i hate t-shirt firemen i hate people who get on this job because they want the t-shirt and they didn't they didn't earn that t-shirt like uh i said we get into it man there's a lot of entitlement uh that you see with you see it with senior people you see with old people or sorry or with new people um it, it doesn't matter like this job owes you nothing. You owe this job everything. All of the benefits and the respect uh, and the adoration is has been paved for the last century uh, by the firefighters who have come before us because of the things that they have done, because they were the ones waking up at four o'clock in the morning, because they were the ones putting out fire. They were the ones dragging people out. They were the ones, uh, you know, taking feeds with no freaking SCBAs on. They were the ones picking people up off the floor. They did all this stuff. They had excellent customer service. And because of their actions, we get 10% off of Subway sandwiches and the Citizens Fire Academy brings you breakfast on Christmas morning and all the just little, you know, little things like that. And we don't deserve any of it because we haven't done it. We are just paying that debt forward to the next generation so they can have that same kind of uh, respect in the community and adoration and, 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 and reverence. So we got to bust our ass to do what we owe to the fire service so that it will carry forward to the next set of guys. Um, yeah, this job is not about a t-shirt. It doesn't exist for you to whatever your freaking day off job is. It takes me <laughs> off and people do this and talk about their day off. Job. Uh, amen, pal. No, yeah. you're good. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Cause I mean, it's funny because you know, you think, you think this stuff only happens where, where I work, where you work. But when you listen to others who live across the country and it's, it's the same shit, you got guys yeah. that come in here, they treat their career fire department job as a side hustle and their side hustle as the main job. When it comes time to training, they bitch and moan and complain, or they do it half-ass and go, yeah, I'll get it the next time. I'll get it the next time. But then they're not training for the next time. So, and what what, what grinds my gears is we have individuals like that. And then sometimes we have individuals like that in officer positions mm-hmm. and chiefs know about it and let the shit slide. And it's like, we're not making anything better. You know, we keep lying to these people. If if you're in a department or an organization or you're an individual who allows that, you're lying to your people when you tell the community, we're here for you. We will come and get you. That's all bullshit because yeah. you're not doing your job to make this better. Exactly, man. You're exactly right. Um, 
that that's another reason why <laughs> some people don't like us, I guess, is you, you hold them to a standard. And the whole reason, like, I don't hold anybody to a standard that I don't hold myself to, or that I don't hold the crew to. Like, you hold yourself to that standard because if if somebody dies on your watch, if if a, you do something on a fire alarm that and it's it's somebody that you could have found uh or rescued and they died because you just weren't good enough because you weren't good enough on that search because you missed something uh because you were tired because you sucked at your job uh or one of your brother firefighters gets killed because you got them in a situation that uh they didn't need to be in uh or or what have you like you have to be able to wake up and look at yourself in the mirror the morning after something like that happens. And if you've put, I, I'm just trying to put forth enough effort and energy into becoming the best that I can be, that I could live with my face in that mirror, seeing it the next morning, if something like that happened uh, it, and I don't know how some of these guys, if, you know, they don't freaking work out, they don't, train they don't they pencil whip every little thing that they're supposed to do they don't hold themselves to any sort of standards how you could live with yourself if you did that maybe they don't maybe they're just too uh too out of touch to even care but i fucking care i i mean they get mad because we have company train uh crew development evolutions annual department uh evolutions every year that uh it's a big scenario based thing and then a bunch of different skills but like quick dawn is one of them and it's a 25 second standard like that's fucking that's not hard 25 seconds is not like a ridiculously unattainable standard whatsoever and these incumbents will sit there and do it and they'll do it once and it'll take them 35 seconds and they're like oh, i didn't pass it do you want me to do it again like yeah you gotta freaking do it in under 25 seconds you're gonna sit here and everybody's gonna want you to do it by yourself until you can't and like that's what that's what people are afraid of they're afraid to to fail in front of others you already alluded to that they're afraid to look vulnerable or to look weak or to look in uh insufficient in the eyes of others and you have to get rid of that fear of failure and you have to embrace failure you have to everything you do to get any better it has to be just out of reach of what you're capable of doing otherwise it's just maintenance of what you're doing to get truly better it has to be just a little bit too hard and you have to, you have to control it's controlled failure as um, Basil Ibrahim would say uh, that's what training is. Uh, so, so you have to keep pushing yourself in, in those respects so that you will continue to grow and, and put yourself even as an officer in the, in the, you know, in the place of failure where people might look down on you. Like I haven't gone through an entanglement box in, in years, whatever. And we got ones that we run our recruits through in like a scenario. Technically they don't have to do it. Hopefully they're not listening to this, but if they mess something up, then they'll go through the entanglement box. Uh, that's the only, that's the only clues I'm given anyway, but I'm like, I'm going to go through it. So I went through the entanglement box blindfolded. And I'm like, Oh, this freaking sucks. And I'm like, I had to come out. I had to kind of like back out and reassess uh -huh. Uh -huh. And calm down and calm up. And I'm like, I don't want to go through this because this is what I'd never do this in a fire. The whole thing is like, it's just mentally going through this. Like, and, and but I had firefighters watching me struggle with the thing and putting myself out there or I'll try, like, I've got that, uh, you know, Kyle, that my driver and my 
uh, Dylan, my firefighter, and Brady, another, he's a freaking uh, animal, dude. He's an incredible Hulk. They can one man high shoulder throw a 35 foot ladder. Like our standard is you got to be, a, you got to do a 28. <laughs> like, right. So high shoulder throw a 28, but like I can high shoulder and carry a 35, but I can't stick the freaking I can't throw it. No, nope, me neither. Long, man. I got it. I've got enough, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> I'll look like an idiot out there floundering. And Brady's like, you want me to do it? <laughs> Shut up, man. But you have to be, you have to be willing to put yourself out, out there. I I mean, if I didn't try, I wouldn't know that I couldn't at least high shoulder it and carry it. Exactly. Like I can carry it to a fire scene and I can stick it on a building and walk it up. And maybe someday I'll be able to, <laughs> I'll be able to throw it out, but I'm not going to do it without trying. So I'm not getting any better if I'm afraid of doing something, cause I'm afraid I might fail. Um, so put yourself out there in front of your crew, in front of your guys. And, and, and dude, if you do that as an officer and you will fail in front of them, that shows them like, well, shit, I don't have to worry about it. Bingo. Like he screwed the deal up and I can like, hell, maybe I can do it or maybe I can't. And well, he can't do it either. So like, it just, it just, it just makes you so much more approachable. It adds comfortability to the entire dynamic. It adds like it, it improves your whole, your whole culture because now we're not afraid to try. We're not afraid to do things. We're not afraid to fail. Uh, Cause the greatest thing about failure is you're going to learn from it. You know, if you're doing it right, you're always learning from it. You're learning what not to do, what to do different the next time. So. Absolutely. No, well said, man. Well said for sure. Um, uh before we before we end, uh, I, I will say I I am like you. I tried to throw the thirty five man. Like I actually ripped. I don't know how. I was wearing turnout gear and I actually ripped some skin off my shoulder from, <laughs> from repetitive motions of trying to do it. And I did an interview with Marcos Orozco from um, Brighton, Colorado, and he's a beast. I mean, six. I don't know, six four, six five. I don't know, like two something muscle. And he's like, bro, I don't even high shoulder throw a 35. He's like, I'll, I can carry it on my shoulder and then I'll just ladder it up against the building. He's like, uh -huh. just fucking do that. So <laughs> I, I have accepted. I mean, a part of me still wants to try, but I have accepted if I can throw it against a building, like it's fine too. You know, not everybody can do everything. It was one of those goals I wanted to do, but yeah. I, I've, I've come to terms that I'll just ladder it against the building, but I can do a 28. 100 yeah. i can i can definitely throw a 28 no no issues um I, dude we've had i'm we've hired some like uh um gosh how tall was she 410 maybe 411 <laughs> like little little girl tiny girl but a like just a pistol like super uh hard worker great mindset great work ethic very nice, very approachable, loved the fire service, worked at the history museum, but like, dude, she's not cut. She's not built to throw a single person throw a 28 foot ladder, but she freaking did it. Like it took, it took some doing and some mm -hmm. technique and some working and like different, different leverage for her body type. But like if this four foot 11, you know, 105 pounds girl can throw this thing, then you ought to be able to do it at, you know, the only, if the only reason you can't do it is because you won't try or because you like to sit on the, you know, recliner and watch Fox News. Like, you need to change your mindset about something. <laughs> um, one more question. Uh, so you, every year you mentioned that. So is it is it policy that you have to have your gear on in 25 seconds? 
Uh, it's the quick don, the, the face piece quick don, basically. Uh, okay. Just putting okay. a face piece on in 25 seconds. It's not gotcha. hard. Gotcha. Like, that's another, that another point, of, another example of a point of failure or something I wanted to do. I'm like, you know, I can mask up in 20 seconds, like, but I, like, I need to do it with gloves on. Like, I need to learn to do it with gloves on. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I don't know how to do this, like, I might have to hide in the rig room or something and like do it. <laughs> I just try to like learn how to, I was like, you know, screw it. I'm just, just I'm going to start doing it whenever I do my SCBA checkup in the morning. So one of the pictures that I actually sent you is, is me with shorts on and like a bunker jacket and a helmet and stuff. Right. That's me doing that quick Don stuff. So I, I just started, I would put my, my, you know, radio strap and jacket on everything from the top up is how it would be, but I wouldn't put my pants on. Uh, Cause it was August, I think when that picture was taken <laughs> anyway, I would, when I went through my SCBA check, I would check everything out uh, and I would start masking up and uh, with gloves on. And I like, people are coming in looking at me like an idiot <laughs> dressed from the top up and, and timing myself on how long it takes me to mask up. And it took, you know, it took a while, but I can mask up with gloves, gloves on. And I'll probably the fastest I've probably done is eight seconds, but I'm consistently under, you know, 14 seconds every okay. time that I do it. So and it was all because I was willing to look like an idiot in front of my crew and, and go in there and fail at it, uh, in the mornings. And, and, and it, you know, you just, you broke it down step by step and what can I do here to get faster? What can I do to get here to get faster? I'll take these straps right here. And I'll keep these from swiveling and I'll yep. like, and it became muscle memory. Like, so like anybody can do things like that. You just have to be willing to look like an idiot doing it. And that's, that's half the battle. Facts. Facts. Love it. I love it. Jeff, so, man, I, I, I sincerely appreciate you accepting the invite, coming to talk shop, man. You you hit so many different points, so many different uh uh, you know, whether it's strategies and tactics and just overall points of just giving a damn about the job, giving a damn about doing it and doing it to the best of your ability. I appreciate you having you on. Like I had no idea JLo worked for OKC. I mean, I might sound bad. I mean, I am a fan, but I mean, I don't like deep dive into someone's <laughs> information i knew he was a firefighter so um i just want to say thank you man for for, for taking the chance and and and, and coming out and talking shopping man i really appreciate it oh man i appreciate you giving me a shot like like i don't know who wants to hear anything from me man but i'll definitely talk your ear off if you give me a chance because <laughs> i love this shit <laughs> well so. no it definitely shows man uh i, I love the aggression man I, I don't have to tell you to keep it up i mean you're it sounds like you're at a department you're at a you're at a station where ev everyone's jam up dialed in so we, we we need we need more stations like that we need more officers like you that aren't afraid afraid to fail in front of others and officers who just know hey like it's okay to love the job and be good at it so thank you appreciate it man i appreciate you i appreciate what you're doing your workouts you make me feel guilty for not working out and gear enough <laughs> I, I don't do i don't do it all the time i do it i try to do it once a week i i do do that i try to do it once a week um but anytime I, I do workouts, I'm I'm wearing like sweatshirts, uh, a vest or something to keep that heat build up. So, yeah. going. so man, like I said, I thank you. I appreciate you. Hey, you bet, man. I appreciate you. Yes, have a happy new year. All right, everybody too. Yep. Have a happy new year. Thank you. See you. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. 
Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.